All right, let's get to the main event. Look at this. I have Senate President Dominic Ruggiero in this corner. And in this corner, I have House Speaker Joe Shikarchi with me, although you're not fighting each other, right? Never. We're nope. all going to get along here today? Excellent. Nice to have both of you back, by the way, instead of the Zoom stuff we've N been doing. Nice to be here. And thank you for inviting us. You're so joining me on Thursday. Boy, we just got news a couple of minutes ago. The president is sending health care workers, doctors and nurses, to Rhode Island, Rhode Island Hospital, and a couple of other states hard hit by the pandemic. What do you make of that, Speaker Shikarchi? I'm grateful that the president's sending it. We need them. There is a crisis in, in health care right now, so we'll take any opportunity for assistance we can. And I'm glad that uh, the president recognized Rhode Island and sent the resources we need. And I'd like to get more, quite frankly, if we could. Okay, per capita, we're number one for, for COVID, Omicron cases. And uh, we've got problems getting enough testing. So that we have some problems here, Senate President Ruggiero. Now we're getting military health care workers from the, from the president. Has anybody dropped the ball in your view? Uh, I think we should have planned a little better. Uh, we didn't expect the Omicron to be as infectious as it is uh, at the time. Uh, but uh, I, we can't really blame anyone because we don't know where this virus is going. We didn't know a variant was coming. Uh, we didn't know what was happening. So you, I can't really blame anyone. I wish we had kept our testing centers, centers up a little longer. Yep. Uh, but uh, hindsight is always 2020. So uh, I, I just think that the governor has done a great job to trying to get people immunized and, and uh, uh, asking them to get immunized. Uh, and that certainly has helped us. Uh, let's keep in mind that we are the most heavily tested state in the country, and that's probably the reason why uh, we're seeing so many upticks and the surge uh, in the Omicron. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you think the planning could have been a little better prior I, to I Omicron? I think it could have been a little better if, if we knew what was, uh, what was going on, but as I said, it's, it's difficult to, to follow this particular situation, especially uh, not okay. knowing uh, the effects with, of the Omicron. All right. You, you know, we're taping on a Thursday. We just got word that Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott is out. She's leaving. I don't know why. There's no reason given. I do know, as I said in the introduction, she's butted heads with the governor on guidelines and masks. And there was an embarrassing leak of a memo from the health department. It came out a week ago. Very embarrassing to him. Do you know more about this than I do today? Uh, only what I, I heard in the news. I did speak to Dr. Alexander Scott this morning. I asked her to stay. Uh, she said that, and I think, quite frankly, she's done an outstanding job for the state, the people, her department, everything else. I can't say enough good things about right. her. I asked her to stay. She said she had given everything she could in the seven years she's been here and that it was time. She's planning to stay on uh, for a period of time to help with the transition. She was concerned about the health department. She wanted to make sure that we had committed as a state to a new health lab. They're operating in a very inferior uh, mm -hmm. facility. We have made a commitment that we don't know exactly where, but there will be a new health lab in Rhode Island. We need one desperately. We're going to build a brand okay. new facility. And I wish her the best. And I just want to say on behalf of all Rhode Islanders, thank you, Dr. Alexander Scott, for everything you have done for our state. Well, she became a fixture here under Governor Raimondo, but it's my job to get to the story here. Why is she leaving? I don't, there's nothing in, yeah. the, in the press release that yeah. says she's going on to bigger and better things. Yeah. Is she out because she butted heads with the governor, Senate President? What do, you, uh, what do you know? You I, know everything. I don't. <laughs> I wish I did, Gene. Uh, I don't know what her plans are, and I spoke with her earlier today, uh, as the speaker did, and uh, she was very gracious. Uh, I think she's done an absolutely phenomenal job here. Uh, keep in mind, she's an epidemiologist, and uh, they're, they're hard to find, especially okay. in light of the COVID uh, virus. But Speaker Shikarchi, we know she butted heads with the governor. And I know people who are tight with the governor. They thought he should have, you know, asked for her resignation when he took over because he had a little tough times with her. 
And you know that over masks and other guidelines and the leak of that memo. I don't know who leaked that memo, by the way. Do you have any ideas? I have no idea, but I, the questions for your answers are really not for me and the president. They're for the governor and Dr. Alexander Scott. I don't know why she's leaving. I take everybody at face value. Right. She told me she had given everything she had to the job, and I believe she did, and it was time, and I accepted that response. All right. You know, you've also accepted uh, both... Uh, leaders here that the governor basically runs the show this goes back to governor Raimondo and the republicans blake Filippi in particular have been very critical of the both of you turning everything over to the governor under executive orders he's gone so far to say he doesn't think it's legal although the attorney general assured me it's legal don't worry but speak to this philosophy he uh, Raimondo and now mckee they run the show what do you mean they run the show? Well, the executive the, orders, they decide how long kids wear masks. They decide everything with regard uh, to COVID. The Constitution is very clear. We're in a pandemic, and the Constitution says the governor has the authority to set those guidelines. Uh, when we're in a pandemic, one person has to be the person in charge of the state, and that person's the governor. And the Constitution is very clear about state law is very clear on that. So there's nothing to really challenge or take it over. So we accept that, and if there's something that goes awry, then we would come in and we would limit that mm -hmm. or take appropriate action. Action. But so far, they've, he's fit well within the governor's, both Governor, Governor Raimondo and Governor McKee's guidelines and executive orders have felt within the confines of the law. And okay. there's no need to over, override or change them. All right. Senate President Ruggiero, you've heard Blake Filippi and others complain that this has gone on for too long. Uh, they, they complain when we didn't do anything, when the uh, uh, pandemic initially happened. Now we're taking a look at everything, especially the money that's coming in, how we spend this money. Uh, the speaker was perfectly clear, and he has been clear uh, ever since. Uh, we are going to monitor uh, the expenditures as far as the money coming in. Uh, obviously, we let the governor, Governor Raimondo, uh, handle a lot of things because it was uh, it was a time when uh, the, the virus just hit, and uh, we didn't know what was happening at that time. Right. Uh, but now uh, we have some money coming in. Uh, we want to spend it. We want to be very frugal and prudent as to how we spend it uh, because we want to make sure that in the outlying years uh, we, we can help our economy. You're moving to the money, and I'm going to get to that in just a section. This is the billion dollars that came in in care relief. But just a couple of minutes ago, you told me you weren't happy with the planning, and that's on the governor. So are we trying to have it both ways? You know, I have to tell you, if I was, a, if I was in leadership, I would say, go ahead. It's theirs. If they screw it up, don't come back to me. The governors are running the whole show. It's very convenient, but you well, said but, you didn't but, like the planning. Just address that, and then Speaker Sicaccio will get you right back in. Go ahead. Uh, yes, uh, that, that, that's It's not a question I didn't like it. We just didn't know what was happening at that time. Uh, however, a number of my colleagues have come up to me, and they've expressed their uh, sentiments as to how we handle the money, where the money's going. Uh, you got a lot of people in this state know how to spend a billion dollars, uh, but I think we have to uh, just uh, keep an eye on that money for the future. Okay, Speaker Shikarchi, go ahead. Well, let's back up. So we talk about uh, the pandemic and the executive orders and the governor. When mm -hmm. President Trump and, and the uh, Congress two years ago enacted the CARES Act money, they were very specific in that, that, that all of that money through all 50 states would be spent by the governor. We were just at the very beginning of a pandemic. No one knew what uh, COVID was. No one knew how serious it was. Mm -hmm. We didn't have vaccines then. We needed to get money out and relief out to workers, to people, to hospitals, to nursing homes. And that's the way Congress sent the CARES Act money. We just finished the CARES Act money in December of 2021. So that money was spent and the governor, all the governors of all 50 states had exclusive 
exclusive control of that. The opera money, what the pres yes. president is talking about, is money that the Congress also has sent to us that we, as a General Assembly and all the legislatures throughout the country, will have oversight over. It'll be spent on normal course of our budget process. Right. You're absolutely right. The first tranche of money that came in, yes. uh, Jack, Jack Reed got us a lot of money. We did very well. R Rhode yes. Island hit above its weight. And mm -hmm. Governor Munda was hers to spend. In fact, the Governor McKee, uh, he, he complained about that, as I recall, but it was her money to spend. This is the second tranche of money, and you've set us up very nicely for the next segment. You're sitting on about a billion dollars. Let's get to that next and how we're going to spend it. Welcome back. Good-spirited conversation with the Senate President, Dominic Ruggiero, and the Speaker of the House, uh, Joe Sicarci, both Democrats. All right, you set us up now. We got, a, we got about a billion point, what, what was it, a billion point? Yeah, 1.1 1. 1 1. billion. 1. 1.1 came in in ARPA money. That's correct. This is pandemic relief money that you decide how to spend. With the advice of the governor, he'd like you, but you, you have oversight of that along with the Senate. It's Go ahead. A it's a collaborative process. And right. as you know, last week we spent $119 million. We gave relief to our, our community, our small businesses, our social service yes. network. Uh, the governor, to his credit, spent what was left over in CARES Act money in the month of December for uh, EI, which is early intervention, mm -hmm. and also for some child care that the president was interested in. Uh, so we have spent that money appropriately accordingly and we'll do that same thing again that money that 119 that we spent mm -hmm. went through the normal budget process there were hearings yes. hearings in the Senate hearings in the house we had an ARPA committee also had hearings all throughout the summer as well it's about process for me it's about being open transparent and let people know what we're doing with this money and that and this one billion dollars that we have left over will also go through that same process I think it's prudent not to spend it all in one year, uh, but, but I think we'll have that discussion along with our counterparts in government. The federal government gave us four years to spend the money. We're only in year one of that. Okay. So we, we need to say, nobody can predict. If Omicron taught us one thing is that you can't predict the future of COVID. So hopefully we'll get by this Omicron in the next 30 to 60 days, but we don't know what's down the road in the next 60, 90, or 120 days. Right. So we have to be prudent with taxpayer money. I know you bristled a little bit when the governor was suggesting that you weren't spending it. You too. You were a little pushback. That, well, I'll spend it in due course and due time after we have our hearings. Are you satisfied that you're spending it in a timely fashion? The first hundred million went out, Senate President. Absolutely, absolutely. I think we did. Uh, we vetted the whole uh, 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 process, and I think we came up with a lot of good resolutions. And I think we did a very good okay. job on that. And that's, yeah. as the speaker said, uh, that's how we're going to do it. We want an open and transparent process uh, that the public can see where that money is going, because that is a lot of money for us. Right. Let, me, so, uh, let me finish my point on that. The, uh, the governor requested 113 million dollars. He got everything he requested. It wasn't mm -hmm. like we withheld anything. We actually increased the, uh, to 119 million, put more money in childcare because the president and I felt quite frankly that th that was where the need was at that particular moment. So it's not like we were playing games. And I point out that budget request came in and within 60 days, we had a, an agreement to pass that money. To spend $119 billion, million dollars mm -hmm. in 60 days is not delaying it. Okay, educate me. What is this money for? Because, you know, I, I, I speak to people and they say everybody's got their hand out. What does the pandemic have to do with homelessness? What does the pandemic have to do with affordable housing? What does the pandemic has to do, have, has to do with these issues when all of Rhode Island was hurt to one degree or another? All of us, all of us, by the pandemic. Answer that question, because it seems like so, the needy have their advocates and they have yeah. their hands out. Go ahead. So there are, there are over four or five billion dollars of requests for the one billion dollars. We have a portal, and as you point out, Wait, everybody... You have four, 
four to five billion dollars. Four times the amount that you have. Yeah, and I okay. believe there'll even be more coming in. The AFL-CIO has a plan. The Rhode Island Foundation has a plan. Every day Rhode Islanders have a plan. Okay. Every organization has a plan. It's all on the, the General Assembly website. You can hit the link and you can look at who asked for and how much okay. they've asked for. So it's all public. That was very important to the president and myself that we be very transparent of who's even asking for the money. That's the first thing. This money is to address people who've been affected by COVID. And, and that's a very broad yes. based thing. The one of the reasons why we were, I guess, a little bit slower than some of the other communities is we were waiting for guidance from the federal government on how and what you should spend it on. We just recently got guidance. Now, some states had an immediate need and they spent it right away. To their credit, that's yep. fine. We waited a little on the slower side, but that was to our benefit. We received an additional $71 million from the Department of Health. There were many instances where by being a little bit cautious on it and a little bit you know frugal on how we spend it we actually got more money okay. and that's to the benefit of the state so who All gets right. it anybody and everybody who's affected by COVID we will follow the guidelines as given to us by the federal government yes. and we'll go through an open and transparent process to that. Senator President expand upon that you know what I'm getting at we had a homeless problem before the pandemic why is it going to the homeless? Why is it going for affordable housing when it's not going to every single Rhode Islander? The stimulus money, the child tax credits, that was a pretty broad brush the president painted with. Go ahead. Who's it for? Well, I, I think when you look at everything that's happening, I mean, the, the, the virus has affected everyone. We had homelessness before that. Right. Uh, we had a lack of affordable housing before that. Uh, we're focused on those issues as we have been uh, over the past few years. Uh, but that uh, the virus, uh, you know, exacerbates a situation like that. It leaves more people homeless and more, uh, more food insecurity. Uh, it, it, it's a whole bunch of things that are associated with that. So uh, that's something where, obviously, as the speaker said, uh, we have to provide uh, financial assistance to those individuals and to those businesses that are in need. I only have about a minute left. Uh, bang through a lightning round for me. Medical, uh, recreational marijuana, it will get past this session? Just a yes or no will do? I, looks likely. I don't want to commit because we still have to go through a process. We've worked on it all summer. It's very probable you'll see some kind of a bill by the end of the session. Driver's licenses for illegal aliens, yes or no? Uh, the Senate passed a piece of legislation, sent it over to the House. I'm sure that we'll be discussing that issue in depth uh, uh, during the legislative uh, session this year. Uh, you talk about that too. Just take 30 seconds and we'll have a whole other segment, so, but flesh that out for me. So we, we uh, the Senate did pass it last yes. year. It came out after the budget was passed. There was a fiscal impact. We didn't account for it in the budget. Uh, we're going to have public hearings on it. We're open to listen to that argument uh, pro and against this. People feel very strongly. We're going to have hearings on it. We're going to have it uh, under consideration. We talked about the driver's licenses for illegals. You know, that's very controversial. Because a driver's license is a privilege, and some people say, how can you give a, a license to someone who doesn't belong in the country to begin with? How can you do that? So first of all, it's not a license, it's a permit to drive. And because uh, undocumented people are already here in Rhode Island, mm -hmm. and they're already driving. So the reason you permit them is so they can get insurance and so they can drive legally and hopefully help the workforce. So we will look at that. We'll listen to them. If people feel strongly, I welcome them to participate through the process and we'll hear all those points of view. But I, I want to point out that um, undocumented have licenses in Connecticut for several years. There's been no major problem. It's happening in Virginia. They have it. There are, I think, 18 states that permit 
permit. And that's the difference between right. a license, because a license implies it's used for identification of the purposes. A permit would simply allow a person to drive, to get insurance, because it, the one thing you don't want is to have an undocumented person or an uninsured person cause an accident and there's no redress for the injured right. individual. And second of all, it, it helps, we have a labor shortage right now. And hopefully this will encourage people to get back into the labor market. I know, I know Massachusetts and Connecticut and the other states all have legalized marijuana. We've been slow on that. It's going to happen? I think it's going to happen this year, yes. All right, let's move to other things. Kennedy Plaza is a mess. There's been a plan to get those buses out of Kennedy Plaza for years. They want to build a station down the street by the courthouse. Do you support something like that? Uh, I support it as long as all the stakeholders are involved, that we find a solution that works for everybody. The latest plan is the one you're talking about. It seems to have much more broad-based support than mm -hmm. the initial plans. So we'll look forward as we go forward. I know the uh, city of Providence has ARPA money. They, you know, we talked about the ARPA yeah. money that, that the state, yep. state has. The cities and towns have a half a billion dollars as well. And I think that'd be a great allocation, maybe a partnership with the state and the city to, uh, regarding that. So I am generally supportive of it as long as all the stakeholders participate in that process. Let's stay in the same neighborhood. I look at the uh, Superman building. It's empty. It's been empty for years. Now, Councilman Igliozzi, the council president, last week said, oh, you're going to get news on that. You're going to get news of a state and city and partnership that we're going to maybe a mixed use for that thing with apartments and everything else in there. What do you know about that, Senate President? Uh, I've heard talk about it, obviously. Uh, I have not seen any structured plan as to how they want to go about uh, financing that particular project. Mm -hmm. uh, they've talked about uh, uh, using it uh, a multi-purpose facility. Uh, they'd like state particip participation, from what I understand, but I haven't seen a concrete proposal at this point in time. Do you know anything about that further? A little bit that I heard about it. I have not been briefed with any details of it, but I do know there are discussions going on between the Commerce Secretary mm -hmm. and the developer and the City of Providence. And from the little bit that I'm aware of is that they are trying to structure a deal that would require no additional authorization for funds from the General Assembly. They would use existing programs that are available to anybody right now, and there'd be a big component from the city as well, and obviously the developer would put money in as well. Okay. So I, I generally support uh, supportive of that. I think that's a beautiful building. I think we should try to preserve it as part of our heritage in Rhode Island. But I'm concerned about allocating new funds for that. So if they can work out a deal that's within the structure of already existing programs, I'm in support of it. Okay, so something is afoot. Let's talk about the hospital merger, care in the wing of lifespan getting together. Blake Filippi said that years ago, partners wanted to come in. It would have been good for the state. They would have boosted that hospital. But Brown knocked it down because partners is with Harvard. They didn't want the competition. And Lifespan knocked it down. And Governor Raimondo was in the mix. And that's why we have this big, big delay. Where do you stand on this merger? And do you buy Blake Filippi's explanation that partners was a better deal years ago? Uh, I, I don't think so. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of not familiar with the whole concept of uh, partners uh, and their involvement. Uh, however, I think that uh, the uh, proposed merger for Lifespan, we have to take a very close look at it and see how that is going to affect uh, some of the people that are paying insurance premiums and things of that nature, a lot of the businesses, uh, the staff over there, uh, they're having a problem staffing people right, right now in these hospitals, uh, so we don't know what will come of it. And I know that uh, that application is currently okay. pending down in Washington, uh, so we haven't seen anything uh, uh, as of yet, uh, me, as far as the result. Let me just flesh this out a little bit. Blake Filippi said years ago, partners wanted to come in, take over care in New England. Partners is partners with Harvard. Brown didn't want Harvard anywhere near Rhode Island. And Lifespan didn't want partners anywhere near Rhode Island. So the whole thing was torpedo. Is that true? 
I don't know. I was not the speaker at the time, but I've heard that. I've heard Leader Filippi say that. Uh, you'd have to ask the principals who were involved at that time. But what I will tell you this is that Partners is here in Rhode Island. They have an affiliation with Kent mm -hmm. Hospital right now, and they, there is a program where people are seen at Kent, and we, the doctors are reviewed at Partners in Boston and Brigham's. So there is some affiliation. We're not that far. We're only okay. 40 miles away. As far as the merger goes, I don't think it's really appropriate for me to comment right now. The General Assembly has no role in this current process at all. It is being reviewed by the Department of Health, the Attorney General, and most okay. importantly, by the FTC in Washington. So we'll let Washington make its decision. What I am generally concerned about is the President sent a two particular areas, obviously patient care. Yep. I want to make sure that quality, regardless of its partners or a you know, merger with Brown, Lifespan, and whomever comes in with Care New England, and we want to make sure, that obviously, that the, the workers are protected as well. But patient care, hospitals are designed for mm -hmm. one thing, to put high-quality patient care. We have to maintain that here in Rhode Island. All right, we're down to our lightning round again, just about a minute and a half left. The nursing homes are complaining they may go broke, they may go out of business for a whole host of reasons. Any relief for them? Can you offer them any hope? We um, always have hope in Rhode Island. <laughs> Uh, I've, I've met with the uh, representatives of the industry. Uh, we talked about it. Obviously, uh, they've been hurt with this, uh, with the coronavirus, and uh, so we're just having preliminary talks at this point in time. And any kind of relief, I would assume, uh, would be contained in the budget at, uh, at at the appropriate time. Back to you. This is the last topic. The Nilo Hotel is in your your city of Warwick. It's a hotel, not a homeless shelter. It's become a homeless shelter, and the people nearby are pulling their hair out. The man says, I live across the street. This is not what I bargained for. Can you offer them any relief? I can offer them an opportunity to present. I've met uh, any kind of uh, legislation they want. Uh, I will tell you that I've met with the councilman in the area, Councilman Sinapi. I have spoken to the mayor about it. I understand the, the uh, city council will be sending the General Assembly some legislation. I don't know the details of that. I know they're concerned about notice. Uh, homelessness is a problem, not only just in Warwick, but throughout the state. And we all have to do our fair share and our pop for it. But I do sympathize with the neighbors because I think the biggest problem with that situation was right. lack of notice. And I think that when, when you're going to put a facility like that in a community, the city should be notified so we can okay. put appropriate pub public safety measures in place. They have your ear. That's encouraging. Absolutely, Thanks. yes. I want to thank you for coming. Speaker Shikarchi, Senate President Ruggieri, it's always good to have both of you on. A good frank give and take.